My sermon this morning is entitled, Leading into the Chaos. I had an opportunity to attend the Global Leadership Summit on August 5th and 6th. It was in DeWitt, and it was live-streamed from Chicago. And it was the two best days of training and that I've ever had. Even though there weren't people right in the room with you, it was, just, it was amazing. There were tons of um, corporate executives, and there were also pastors, lead pastors, and ordinary people doing extraordinary things in lives and leading. And I just, I had to share it with you. And like I said earlier, this is not, this is not a way to try to get you to be a church leader, but it really resonated with me as I sat there and I thought about, wow, all the things that I do in my personal life, this was a leadership moment for me and for those with me. And I went with um, some of the people from Redeemer and we uh, got to talk about it. And it was just, it was amazing. You could attend in person or you could attend via Zoom. There was an opening speaker, Greg Groeschel, who's the founder and senior pastor of Life Church. And he really caught my attention. See, his, his message spoke not only to my brain, but to my heart. He began talking about this last year and a half that we found ourselves in. We're in this pandemic. And everything, everything we've ever known was turned upside down. And life as we'd been used to it had changed. We became isolated from each other. We experienced shortages of necessities due to hoarding. And generally, people felt depressed and anxious. So we had to figure out where we were headed and how we were going to get there. As Craig prepared for his leadership summit and his presentation, because he was the founder of all of this, he was trying to find this one word that would sum up all that had happened, as well as the emotion it created. And he went through regular words, and he goes, oh, that doesn't do it. Nope, not it. It's not fully capturing the emotion of this experience we're having. So he decided to create his own word. That word is PUC. Yes, P-U-C. And it stands for pain, uncertainty, and chaos. You know, it is a word that kind of rolls off the tongue, and it does kind of seem to sum it all up. Because you can say, what's a puck, right? You're not saying anything naughty. You're just, it's there. So we're going to look at each component of the word and how it relates to our lives and our ability to lead. But we're going to begin with chaos first. Because it's the easiest aspect to deal with. As chaos crowds around us, we naturally want simplicity and control. So, but you can have control and growth, but you can't have both of them together. Too much control can limit growth. And rules, policies, and procedures is the scar tissue of control. Now you may relate to this scar tissue. At work, when someone does something terribly wrong, a policy is written to prevent that from ever happening again. That policy comes with detailed procedure that must be adhered to. And employees follow this rule to the extent that their creativity is lost and they no longer are willing to bring new ideas to the table because, well, it just doesn't fit the procedure. 
Here's another example. When one of your children does something wrong that's very serious, you make a new rule for all the children to follow. One time, my brother played with matches at my grandmother's house when she was gone. He was the only one there playing with the matches. I was still at home. We still had the same rule. We couldn't go down to Grandma's house without permission anymore, right? But that's how it goes. We do things in life because we have to control something, and we were worried about safety. So my question is to you. Oh, I'm sorry. The best leaders, they obsess about empowering leaders. And they're not obsessed with control, but they're obsessed about the leaders that they grow. You see, the best leaders find ways to raise up and mentor strong leaders who are creative, courageous, and innovative. In turn, these leaders will cultivate new leaders. You can't be afraid that you will lose control if others can do your work. Because there will be a time that you'll move on from this leadership position, and if all that's left are rules and policies and procedures that are blindly followed because that's how it's always been done for years, how will the next leader be able to step out of that shadow? So now my question is, what are you controlling that you need to let go? Let's talk about uncertainty. What we do know is that the future is uncertain. Good leaders plan for unforeseen challenges, but great leaders plan for unexpected opportunities. Any time of uncertainty, there is room for opportunity. Those things that we think are most significant may not be on that list. We cannot wait for the perfect moment. We must move forward. So we create margin for opportunities that you can't predict. The cost of inaction is always almost greater than that of a mistake. Hear that again. The cost of inaction is always almost greater than that of a mistake. And we make mistakes of faith, not of fear. And I've always heard that the only failure is not taking a chance in trying. As leaders and people in general, we must take the chance, make the mistakes, and learn from them. We are not perfect, and the world is not perfect. My question is, what risks do you need to take? Let's look at pain. There is no pain like leadership pain. That's what Greg said. Here are some words from Paul regarding his leadership pains as he writes to the church in Corinth about the super apostles and their claim to pain and trials. He admits that he's boasting a bit about his trials and pain, as any human would do. He says, Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. 
I have worked long and hard, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone often without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concerns for all the churches. Paul experienced endured this pain as a leader. His pain was due to the fact that he was concerned for the churches that were struggling and growing and learning. Without strong leadership, they would not have made it. Paul was a living testimony of Jesus and his teachings. While he was doing the right thing, it was still painful. If you aren't hurting, you probably aren't leading. The difference between where you are and where you could be is the painful decision you are unwilling to make. Pain is a part of life. It can destroy us if we're willing to let it. This last year and a half has caused much pain for everyone. Pain of loss of loved ones. Pain of not seeing our families that live away from us. Pain of isolation. Pain of anxiety and distress. While in pain, we must make decisions that are hard to do but are so necessary. We can grow through the pain. My question is, what painful decision have you been avoiding to make? Leaders need the capacity to lead to the future. As a leader, you must not be afraid to dream. You have to look fear straight in the eye and not doubt yourself. Even when you keep hearing people tell you, no, that won't work, or you're not the right person to represent these people, you have to decide, are you going to listen to the no or the knowing, K-N-O-W-I-N-G. That's the knowing peace from God. Our faith must be bigger than our fear. Never give up. Always dream about what could be and believe in what God is putting before you. A little picture that says dream. When I was walking in in Marquette, they had these um, painted along the way, and that was one of them, and so I was so happy I could use it. Thank you, Marie. And now, as a leader, you have to be able to dream, but you also have to lead with civility. Shola Richards, founder and CEO of Go Together Global Workplace Civility Expert, says the following regarding civility. We are defined by how we treat each other. Civility is a demonstration of respect. People who deal with incivility at work, 25% of these people took out their frustrations on their customers. So incivility equals abuse and rudeness. Shola says, every encounter you either give life or you drain it. Teach us to connect to your higher self. And I'm not talking like H-I-G-H-E-R, talking about H-I-R-E. Your higher self is that person you were when you interviewed for the job. It's the best person who you are. So if you never would think about saying it in a job interview, then you shouldn't be saying it at work either. This applies to volunteer work as well as paid work. It's kindness versus niceness. 
see we're holding people accountable and giving those um, giving those love who are depressed. We have to value their work. That's respect the wisdom of the people closest to the work, those on the front lines. And we need to value their roles, appreciate the importance of everyone's role or position. There are no unimportant roles. Value their time. Consistently honor their most precious resource. Spend time one-on-one with others rather than meetings that could be an email. Value their skills. Demonstrate you trust them and their ability to get the job done. There is nothing worse than being given a project to do and someone second-guessing your skills, or even worse, changing your work without consulting you. Value their humanity. Connect with others personally and truly recognize their efforts. And a leader leads with civility, but a leader must lead themselves. Shola said that his father would say to him, I need you to be the buffalo, not the cow. Strange saying, right? The cow tries to run away from the storm and prolongs its suffering. The buffalo persists the time persists. The time in the storm is shortened, and his life is better for the experience. So don't self-sabotage yourself. Eliminate the thoughts that weaken you, like, I'm not good enough, I'm invisible, I'm incapable, and no one can be trusted. Create a civility statement. I belong in any room I walk into. And we need to demonstrate civility through our actions, have healthy boundaries, Remove ourselves from toxic relationships. Reach out for professional help. Leave a legacy of civility. Have you ever been in one of those toxic relationships where the people around you are just like bringing everything down and all they do is complain and talk about each other behind your back? It's time to leave that. If you're a civil leader, you don't engage in that. Because as we lead, we make many choices. Ibulkan Awasak, founder and CEO of the Chair Center Group and the former chairman First, Ni- First Bank Nigeria Limited, she asked us, where are you right now? What stage of your journey are you in? Who do you think you are? Where do you think you're going? And how do you picture your life at 70, 80, 90 years of age? She didn't even start with 20, 30, and 40. She wanted people to focus on Where do you think you're going to be in the twilight of your life, right? When those advanced years. She wanted us to think about what our, I'm I'm getting to those advanced years, so. What our values are and if we considered the common good or the personal good. And she said, working for the common good is always personal good. She also told us that our choices are driven by our values, our goals, and our ambitions. We must remember that faith is the backbone of our value system. She then reminded us of Mahatma Gandhi's seven social sins. The first one is wealth without work. Second, pleasure without conscience. Third, knowledge without character. Fourth, commerce without morality. Fifth, science without humanity. Sixth, religion without sacrifice. Seven, politics without principles. And then one more was added by his grandson, rights 
without responsibility. And I think that in my lifetime, I have seen a lot of people who have wealth who don't have work. And they've taken over some of their family's companies. And the whole reason why the company started has really changed because of their wealth without work, right? And this is my own personal opinion. And we always think we have the right for everything. But along with our rights comes responsibilities. And there are things that we have to do, that we should be doing, that we're responsible for. We don't just have the right to do it or say it because I'm 70 now or I'm, I'm living over on that side of town. That's not what it is. Our leadership is directly affected by our values. And our values affect our goals and our ambitions. We need to choose wisely, humanely, and carefully. I know that in work, over the years, I have seen this play out a lot. Some people became supervisors for the wrong reasons. They wanted to show those of us who had been supervising that we didn't know what we were doing and that we were they were going to set us all straight until they got into that position and they found out that we weren't just sitting at our desk with our feet up eating bonbons all day, that it was a big struggle, and that we were going to, they were going to make these people, they were going to do what they needed to do and toe the line. They had no responsibility other than their own personal. And they weren't building relationships with people, and they couldn't figure out why the staff didn't like them. Rich Wilkerson, lead pastor of Boo Church, says, leadership is a grind. All too often we can be lost in the monotony and mundaneness, mundaneness of day-to-day -day work. Now here's a fact. 90% of what you do in leadership is going to go uncelebrated. So how do we keep a positive outlook and have our vision come to fruition? So here we are in the grind of leadership. There are three things you must remember to do. Rename the grind. Names bring about identity, and identity brings about purpose. God won't multiply what we refuse to purpose. Reframe that grind. If you don't choose to see it differently, you won't add value to it. A healthy leader always has the mindset of gratitude and chooses to be grateful. Instead of saying, it could have been better, say, it could have been worse. And he also said the grass isn't always greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you choose to water it. You know, we always, we always hear about, even as a kid, grass is greener on the other side. Think about that. The grass is always greener where you choose to water it. And you must remain in the grind. Because what you're doing is meaningful, and it matters. Some seasons, such, such as the one we are in, are about enduring, no matter the rejection and the failure. Be resilient. Keep getting back up and trying again. Some of these pastors were sharing that they felt at the lowest they'd ever felt. They'd started these things, and these great things were happening, and then everything stopped. And they didn't know what they were going to do. I know I felt that way a lot in the last year and a half. Did anybody else feel that way? It's just, it's so much. As leaders and people of faith, we must find our groove. Albert Tate, founding pastor of Fellowship Church, 
says that there are three essential principles to finding our groove. First is observation, questions, and adjustment. So we observe things. We ask those important questions. And then we make adjustments, and we find our groove in life. He also shared about Exodus chapter 16. The Israelites were complaining about their leaders, Aaron and Moses. See, God delivered them from Egypt. And in spite of their freedom, they said, oh, if only the Lord had killed us in Egypt. They were starving and wishing they could go back to slavery so they would have meat and bread to eat. Even though what they wanted all the time was freedom, they got it, and it wasn't exactly what they wanted, so they longed for what they had in the past. Exodus 16, 4 through 5 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they will gather food, and when they prepare it, there will be twice as much as usual. Do you remember some of the limitations about the manna? They could only have enough for, for that day. They couldn't store it up. It would just spoil. They tried. They tried that. And they had quail, and he provided, and then there was twice as much as usual on the sixth day, and that was the one time for the seventh day of rest that they weren't collecting, that they would have enough. Albert Tate said there are three invitations from Exodus 16, 4 through 5. The first is the opportunity to see what you have never seen. God is providing in God's way, one day at a time. So you ask yourself, where do I need to trust more and look for opportunities? Second, there's an invitation to rest. And he said, napping is the new hustle. If you miss the rhythm, the rhythm, you will go out in a season of abundance. You will have scarcity and you, if you do not obey. So he said rest equals freedom. And healthy leaders have healthy systems of rest because God always provides. And I think a lot of us forget the rest part. We get so caught up in trying to be a good leader, trying to be a good provider, that we forget that self-care is so important. And then we also have an invitation to grieve and hope. It is okay to grieve. It is okay not to see joy in this season. God invites hope into this season. Do not give up. You see, we've been through so much in the last year and a half. We must continue to dream, have a vision of the future, trust in God to guide us, Reach out to others in civility. Be the leaders we want leading us. And hope for better days to come. Being a leader is not easy, but it is possible. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, we are called to be leaders in our homes, our work, our churches, our day-to-day -day lives. Help us to lead with civility and give life rather than drain it. Encourage us to rest and care for ourselves so that we have, may have strength to lead. Help us to obey you and walk in faith as we work with others. Give us eyes and hearts to see your hope. Keep us in the grind as we encounter the pain, uncertainty, and chaos of life around us. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.